Welcome everyone to the Almost Cancelled TV Podcast. I am Peter and despite his very static appearance, joining me as always is Connor. Yes, I am here. Yes, Connor was sick last week. Uh, was yeah, it last week? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, yeah it, was, it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was brutal. Uh, it's just a shame. Uh, uh, small violin, uh, just, just for you. Get the full size one if you want. It's rather. Uh, well, we can't see that because your camera's uh, but, not working. But, but you can you can visualize right there. No, it's not on. It's not on camera even even if it was on. Yeah. Well, I I got a screen grab of another uh, video with the, a facial expression. I believe displays you at your your most common Deep in thought. Yeah. <laughs> I was going yeah. more for mildly annoyed, maybe a little constipated, but... I mean, that tends to go with being in thought. Yeah, so, there's a TV news podcast, and there was supposed to be episodes the last two weeks. I assembled the news two weeks ago, I assembled it again last week, and then I went looking for more this week. There wasn't actually a ton from this week specifically, uh, but I got all three weeks sitting here because I've done it all, so... So I'm going to have to suffer, is that, is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, it's your fault, so... Uh, we're going to get into it. We got renewals, we got cancellations, we got pilot orders and see shows and, dis- and development, all that stuff. So, and uh, like I say, I, I assembled some of this two weeks ago, so I don't remember what most of this is. This is going to be a, a fun little journey of discovery. So let's get into it, shall we? Uh, starting with renewals, we have The Sandman got renewed for season two on Netflix. Good. I haven't finished watching it yet, but good. Yeah, no, I haven't started, nor do I intend to, honestly. But it's it's pretty good from what I've seen. I I just me not being up to date is is just my current ability to, inability to watch basically anything. Not actually a statement of quality on you know on that show. Mm. Uh, we also have Dangerous Liaisons has been renewed for a second season. Uh, which is notable because it, this happened before it premiered its first season. So, feeling very confident on that one. Mm, fair enough. Uh, I think it's debuted by now, but it hadn't when this, uh, <laughs> when this yeah. came out. Uh, Netflix renewed The Watcher and is also looking at uh, two more installments, they're phrasing it, of, of Dammer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Uh, which, but I think it means um, different killers, you know, different people in history. So, uh, the idea that each season focuses on a different person. But uh, yeah, that was doing like numbers and breaking records for them uh, during October. So, I guess yeah. I'm not surprised they want more of it. No, it makes sense. Um, it's a little bit cynical because obviously there, there was a lot of controversy around it, but that probably just helps their viewing figures. Probably. Uh, Ryan Murphy is rolling in dough, is basically all I can say to that. Yeah. This film's been renewed for season two by Hulu. So yeah, that only just premiered in August, a half-hour comedy show. I say, I'm not familiar with that one. No, no, me neither, but there it is. Uh, Bad Sisters got renewed at Apple for season two. Uh, which I, I don't know which one that was. I had heard of it, it's a dark comedy murder mystery um, yeah, it sounds familiar. Like the, the the name's familiar enough. I've definitely heard of it. Yeah, so that got when you to Apple. Um, cancellations we're into now. Westworld got cancelled. 
after its fourth season. And yeah, a little bit controversial. I've seen some people saying the the ending just doesn't work without a fifth season. I think I think they were expecting it. Yeah. Um. It, it, I, obviously, I gave up after the first episode of season four. I just I couldn't do it anymore. But uh, but it all st- intents and purposes, it sounded like the ending set up what the final season would be, and now there's no final season. So it sucks for people who were still sticking it out and wanted that that ending. But it really is a case of I don't think anyone. I mean, I didn't see anyone really talking about the show anymore. So I'm not surprised that it wasn't doing well enough for the type of budget and prestige. That's, that's exactly it. Because there's a lot of shows where you go, oh, we'll just let them have the last season and just wrap it up, right? Or at least a truncated last season. But with the budget that that show requires to not suddenly look, you know, absolutely terrible in comparison, I understand why you can't just go, just, you know, out of charity, go, oh, you can have your last season. I mean, even just the cast alone, like, at the... The the price tag has to be uh, huge, and it's it is quite sad because it, I think the, the the way I described it on the day this news came out was <sighs> the only thing I'm sad about is the fact that I don't care. That's what's making me sad about this <laughs> because I should yeah, care. Five, five years ago, if you'd said that, yeah, probably well, been probably just before season two, maybe just after. Yeah, yeah, but around that time, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that's a shame. It's a shame that it did go that downhill. It's a shame that season three left me so deflated and that season four, you know, in one episode just reminded me why I didn't like season three that much. <laughs> and I was I was off. So... Yeah, I, I, I didn't even come back for season four. Just... I, you know, I'm not watching enough stuff as it is and, and the stuff I am watching... I'd rather be watching than than what I'd seen from the trailer for for season four. Yeah, like eighteen ninety nine, for example. You may want to watch that. I actually do really want to watch that. I, I, that, that is, <laughs> I'm all right. I've got I've got one episode of Andor to watch till I'm up to date. By the way, Andor's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. People like, keep saying, like even even to you as a non Star Wars person, I think it's objectively the best Star Wars show by a by a mile. Like in terms well, of just pure structural TV quality. I said that about the pilot when I reviewed it. I, I, I okay, well, I I didn't listen to what you said about the pilot. I have agreed with that statement already. I'm still going to watch the rest of it though. But uh, also, Andy Serkis is such an underrated actor. Uh, sure. Uh, so good. Yes. All I'll say is like the so I've watched two episodes of 1899 so far, and it's very intriguing. You can definitely tell it comes from the people who made Dark. Uh, do do you need charts to keep track of everyone? It's not as complex. Right? There's not as many. It's, it's not a big cast, but it's not as you know. It's not as complex, and it's not. We're not dealing with three timelines of like the same characters and yet. Yeah, uh, I will say the last five seconds of episode two is uh, quite a like. Oh shit! Like episode two mm-hmm. is is I, you know I thought it was a bit weaker overall than episode one. Still had some interesting stuff in it, but it was definitely a, a bit quieter, a bit more, you know, that episode two, right? It's an episode two. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, the last five seconds just goes, wait, what? And the the, the Pandora's box of, of speculation will, uh, is, <laughs> like... I attempt is... to start it soon. How, how long are the episodes, roughly? Full know. hour, pretty much. Okay, cool. Well, at least the first two are, anyway. I mean, uh... Yeah. Uh, so... Um, but yeah, the first review of that's uh, by the time this goes out, the second review and the, maybe even the third review will already be up. So, uh, 
but yes, uh, enjoying working through that uh, right now. Um, you know, and Dart kept itself contained to three seasons, something Westworld maybe could have thought of. <laughs> the... I, I will give, just to you know, jump back to Westworld slightly, I will give them the slightest bit of defense here that they did always say from the start they had a five-season show. That's true. Although having actually seen some of like what that five-season plan was... Maybe, maybe they shouldn't have done. Yeah, condensing but, it to something a bit more... But I don't think it's fair to... You know, that that sounded like uh, they were just making it up on the spot because they wanted more Westworld, but they did always claim to have a five-season plan. Now, maybe that was always bullshit, and they were making it up on the spot. I don't know. But, you know, I'll give them a slight bit of defense. Mm. Uh, Stargirl's ending uh, with its third season that just wrapped up, uh, or just about to wrap up on the 7th of December. Um... This is not really a surprise, given what's been happening at the CW with all of its various shows. This was already kind of like far along, a lot, you know, enough along that season three was going to happen. Um, it's actually just come out in the last week or so that they actually shot two endings for season three, uh, pending, yes. you know, pending the uh, possible cancellation, which they knew was kind of you know possible. So oh, more showrunners should uh, consider that. I mean, depending on your story, as it may not be easy to just do a quick couple of ending scenes but yeah like yeah. If, if the opportunity is there and you, you've got a different ways of like handling it so that you can either wrap it up a bit neater or leave it more of a cliffhanger then you know by all means take take that uh, step uh yeah. so yeah so that's that uh becoming elizabeth has been cancelled at stars after one season um believe it or not it's a period piece so you didn't guess that from the title <laughs> But yeah, that's been uh, that's been cancelled. I, I don't really know anything about it. It's a Star's period piece. Do you care? No, I don't. Uh, then next up, Netflix have cancelled Partner Track and The Imperfects. Uh, uh, <laughs> have you heard of either of these? Uh, no. Yes. No, uh, I have not. Partner Track was a legal drama and The Imperfects was a sci-fi drama. Right. The fact that there's a sci-fi drama that the algorithm on Netflix didn't even bother to show me once. <laughs> no wonder it got cancelled. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so that's that. Uh, Carnival Rose to end with season two at Amazon. Uh, that's Has that not... not even had season two yet? No, it's coming out in February. Jesus Christ, I swear that was like four years ago. It was, yeah. It's taken ages. Um... Like, it's another show with a big cast that I don't really hear people talk about that much, so I, I guess I'm not surprised that I, they're... I legitimately thought that I'd aired a second season and been cancelled, like, two years ago at this point. Yep, yeah, no, so that's just coming to an end soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if they knew it was going to be their final season, or if, you know what, but uh, that's coming to an end. Uh, Netflix have cancelled Fate, The Wink Saga... <laughs> okay, um, I, I actually do know what that one is. That's just had two seasons though, so that's made it for yeah. than a lot of these other shows we're talking it's about. Just one of those young adult ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds. Let's be honest. Uh, back to Amazon Prime, uh, and if the order of these is a bit weird, it's because it's like all the ones from the first week and then the, <laughs> the ones from the second week. Makes sense. Uh, Hunters, remember Hunters? The Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I do. With uh, what's his name in Pacino. Yes. Hunting Nazis, yes. Uh, that's going to end with its second season, which again, um, 
uh, is just getting a premiere date uh, just now. It's coming in January. I'm pretty sure that was around the same time as Carnival Row. What is it with these Amazon shows that take four years to get a second season? I have to wonder if like these like second seasons being heavily delayed by the pandemic is it's just sort of made it kind of an easy cut, despite the fact that ah maybe they'll do okay, but it took so long to get the second season going. They'd rather just start with new fresh shows again. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be a little bit harsh. That that's that was February of 2020. Okay. But that's still by the time this airs, coming up on three years. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah. Carnival Row. When when was that? I'm actually. 2019, I'll say. August 2019. Mm. Jeez, yeah. Well, uh, so not quite cancellations here, but kind of like, you know, a splinter off of it. Uh, the Winchesters and Walker Independents are getting no back orders at the CW, which in years gone by wouldn't have been a big deal because CW was quite happy to have a bunch of 13 to 16 episode shows that were only on half the year. In this new CW climate, it could be a bad sign. <laughs> it could be, but also, I think I did read something that that at least you know one of them was doing fairly well, right? Well, I've got another bit of uh, news later that might make you second guess your. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I may have read some early reports that yeah, maybe are a bit more up to date now. Yeah. Uh, not so much about the, the the performance of these shows, but it's something that impacts them potentially. Uh, so, yeah, so they're not getting back orders. They could still continue, but, you know, um, you know. Uh, and kind of a similar vein to an extent is, uh, if you remember the Alan Tudyk show Resident Alien on sci-fi? I do, which always seems to be, like, up for awards somehow. Yeah, well, that had been renewed for a third season, which is still getting, but it is getting slightly reduced in how many episodes it is. Uh, it was going to be 12, instead it's going to have 8, which isn't the end of the world. Uh, what's weird about this is that season 1 had 10 episodes, season 2 had 16 episodes, which was split into two 8-episode batches, and now season 3 will be 8 episodes. So, you could almost look at it like it's had 4 seasons with, it's just they've named it awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, it sounds worse than it is i think because this is essentially treating it the same way they presumably internally decided to treat season two as two seasons yeah so this is just like another season of that at least that's kind of what it sounds like that's what it feels like uh so because they, they announced it was getting renewed just before the second half of season two uh and now they're yeah they're, they're going down to eight episodes for it which you know, I'm sure, if, I think it did, uh, it performed well in the first half of the season, but not as well in the second half, which has probably influenced this. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure if this season three does well enough, they'll still maybe do another eight-episode season after that. I wouldn't necessarily rule it out just because of this. It's a pretty low order that it's a pretty low-risk cost. Yeah. So that is that. Um, we finally get a premiere date for The Last of Us. Uh, which is going to be January the 15th, which obviously is a Sunday, as as most HBO uh, prestige TV. So, yeah. That makes sense. And they're specifically pointing out it's going to be in 4K and HBO Max because not a lot of things are 4K and HBO Max. So they're... That's kind of sad. Yeah, so, so they're making it clear that that's a, that's a thing. So, good. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The trailer was good. Uh... Yeah, we'll I'll just... definitely check it out. Obviously, we, we spoke about the trailer pretty extensively. I was less enthused, despite it not looking bad, again, just to reiterate that. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm sure I'll check it out if I get yeah. quiet time. So yeah, we got a big show in January, which is nice. Uh, we also got another premiere date uh, for... Uh, this is. I mean, I don't usually bring up premiere dates for a CBS show, but this is based on something, uh, and that is True Lies. <laughs> That's coming on the 23rd of February, so... Sure, look, why not? Look forward to that. True, True Lies without uh, Arnold or Jamie Lee Curtis or, or Bill Paxton, obviously, because he, yeah. he, he has left this mortal coil, unfortunately. Uh, doesn't sound like a True Lies that I want. Um, notice that I didn't, say, I didn't say Tom Arnold and all that, because I, I can do it without him. I don't mind him not being there, but... Yeah, who cares? Everyone else. And of course, Eliza Dushku, who was on the hit television show, but for the Vampire Slayer. I do so easy. Uh, so yeah, here's that CW news I was mentioning. So uh, this was just something that caught my eye. Is CW is going to shed its Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount content in 2023-2024 season. Um, okay. They're saying that they're not precluding from uh, from selling or buying programming for them if it's a deal they like. But this is what I was talking about earlier, where those shows that are currently already on the CW, which both come from one or either of these sources. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden they look quite precarious. Where the CW's new owner, are like, yeah, we we kind of want to get away from from taking shows from those companies, which is really weird reason. because that's, that's not their bread and butter. It's what they've built their entire identity on. Yeah. So, but they want a new identity, apparently. Uh. So, yeah. Uh. Next, their CEO Perry Sook and execs of the nation's biggest broadcaster said it's in and premature will be evident on the CW schedule for the 2023 to 2024 season with lower cost, broader appeal, and more unscripted fare. So they're doing more like reality TV and... Uh, it's going to be shite. Even even more shite. Yes. Definitely more shite. So, Warner and Paramount are not procuring from selling us programming. It's just going to have to be a financial deal we like. And there may be a couple of shows that distinguish themselves this year that we want to hold over into next year. So there's a chance they'll keep some, but... You know, that sounds a little bit like it's fluff to me. Yeah, uh, it, it does. It sounds like eh, we we just want to get rid of them. We we want to we want to pivot our business model entirely for some reason. Yeah, but hey, uh, next up, this is more movie related, but they, they do occasionally produce things for TV, so I felt it was worth mentioning that um, there's a there's talks for this to happen. It's not happened yet, but they're in talks, and that is Bloomhouse. And Atomic Monster, which is James Wan's uh, production company, uh, are in talks to merge. Okay. Meaning they'll be, like, they're basically almost monopolizing the horror movie industry at that point. <laughs> they are. Um, we tend to see Atomic Monster on TV a bit more often, I would say. Yeah. Bloodhouse have done a couple of things on TV. Well, they've done but... a couple, but I, I feel like we mentioned James Wan's name pretty yeah. regularly. Yeah, and I'm being a bit facetious there. There's actually tons of like small studios that do horror movies. Like, um, the, the indie scene will still boom. But... Oh yeah, but they're the they're definitely the highest profile horror studio right now. Yeah, I mean it's the I mean the other one that sort of does a fair amount is probably Lionsgate, I would say, um, or New Line Cinema even because they they've got uh, the Conjuring verse and all that. But yeah, Bloomhouse are doing a lot of horror movies. That said though. This year has been very fruitful for sort of varied horror releases from a lot of places and a lot of different things that aren't just the big franchises. So it's been quite refreshing to see. So I'm quite optimistic in general, but uh, this is the mainstream state of horror. 
I mean, there are worse mergers that have happened in recent years. Yeah. Yeah, just in, you know, recent, re- the past couple of months, Barbarian has done well. Terrifier 2 is making a killing, uh, especially for its budget. Uh, I don't know who really smiled, but that was doing quite well, too. Um, wasn't, wasn't Smile Bloomhouse? Did I smile Bloomhouse? I don't know. I feel like it might have been, but... I don't know. Uh, but there you go, so, worth mentioning. Uh, and then just sad news here, me and Matt talked about it in the DC podcast, but it's worth mentioning that Kevin Conroy passed away at the age of 66 uh, this past week. Um, he was obviously the voice of Batman and Batman the Animated Series, and as well as a lot of follow-up movies and video games and, and things of that nature, so... And uh, appeared in the CW shows. He did appear in the uh, Crisis crossover, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Obviously, it's a pretty prominent part of childhoods of nerds our age, so uh, definitely worth mentioning. Yeah. So, yeah. um, That hit me hard, that one. So, on a... Some various casting news, actually. There was a lot of casting news the other week. Uh, for various things. Um, so we have The Gentleman, which is Guy Ritchie's Netflix show, uh, has been casting a bunch of people. Is in based on the film that he did, The Gentleman? Uh, I right? would presume so, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, so Vinny Jones is going to be in it. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but then you had in Kea uh, Scoladero, who was in uh, the recent Resident Evil movie in Crawl. You got Giancarlo Esposito, who needs no uh, explanation. Uh, Daniel Engs, Jolie Richardson, Peter Sarafinovich, who was the tech, um, was also in Shaun of the Dead, and is, you know. All sorts of smaller roles that you've yeah. seen. Yeah, and then the last one they added on was Theo James. Uh, so, yeah, a bunch of uh, names added to that. It seemed like a prominent cast. I'm intrigued. Did you ever watch that movie? Nope. It's, uh, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. So, I like it, but, you know, it's... If if you don't like Guy Ritchie movies, you won't. It, you know, it, it's very much what you expect. Mm. But, yeah. Um, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II is being cast in Wonder Man, uh, which is one of the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Uh, this guy's quite good. He was a, a prominent character in the Watchmen TV show, he was in the Candyman reboot. Uh, he's very, very good. So uh, that's a good get f- for Marvel. I mean, it doesn't make me, you know, any more excited for the show because I'm kind of just sick of Marvel stuff at this point. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I mean, Marvel have never really had a problem with casting. Let's be fair, and and they've got the money to throw away to cast mm, you know, within reason whoever they want. Well, they don't, definitely don't spend it on visual effects. I'll I'll, t- <laughs> I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, big casting update for Severance Season 2. So Season 1 was this year. It was really good stuff. Uh, I really like that show. Excited for what Season 2 is going to be. Uh, but they've added eight new cast members for Season 2. Um, so, and they've just started shooting uh, Season 2. So that might make it out by the end of next year, but it's probably going to be maybe an early 2024 thing, depending. So, casting Season 2, we have Gwendolyn Christie. We have Bob Balaban, who was in a lot of things back in the 70s and 80s, but if for his like, current look, even though this is still like 25 years ago, uh, he had a prominent role in season four of Seinfeld. 
I think a lot of people might know him from. That was a while ago now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he still looks a lot more like that than he did, like, when you go back to, like, you know, the 70s when he was in Close Encounters and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so he's, he's a name is the point I'm making. Uh, Merritt Weaver, who we'll remember from Godless. Oh, okay. Uh, Elias Shawkat from uh, Arrested Development. Uh, Robbie Benson from Beauty and the Beast, Stefano uh, uh, Caranante from Mirabella. Uh, oh, jeez, what's this name? Uh, Olafur Dari Ofelson. I'm going to assume they're from somewhere in Scandinavia. Uh, and John Noble uh, being the, the last big name. Uh, John Noble's a particularly exciting inclusion to you just because of the type of show it is. It's, it's hard not to think of Walter Bishop walking into it and just having his opinions. <laughs> on what's going on so um i am i'm pleased with this is a, a reasonable list of names actually that they're adding into the mix yeah yeah that's a lot of pretty healthy names there yeah, yeah. uh so that's yeah, very good um and then next up we have uh kristen malotti uh who I think of first as USS Callister from Black Mirror, but she was also in Fargo season one. Uh, she was in that. The mother from How Many Mother? Well, I didn't know that, but uh, she was. Um, Pam Springs, was that the name of that movie with Sandberg? Um, yes. So, yeah, she's going to be the female lead opposite Colin Farrell in the Penguin TV show for HBO Max. I keep forgetting that exists. Well, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's going to play Sophia Falcone, the daughter of Carmine Falcone. I can see it. Yeah. So, that's yeah, neat. I'm going to get behind that casting. Yeah. Although, were they saying Falcone in that movie? I think they were. I think they pronounced it Falcone. I'm more of a Falcone guy, but, you know. I think they did say Falcone. Yeah. They made their choice. Nolan's movies, it was definitely Falcone. Yes. Yes, it was. So... You know, it's clearly this is a choice that people make, and some people make the wrong choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. All right. Oh, and yeah, next bit of news before I get to the. I just want to sort of general stuff now. Um, interestingly, so you know how Netflix are, are launching their new ad tier? The cheaper. Uh, just launched, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So they've just launched that, and that you know, it's got this. You know, you pay a bit less, you get no, you get some ads, save some money. They're gatekeeping some shows from it, not all of yeah. the contents in the ad tier. Uh, the two notable ones in this article here pointing it out are House of Cards and Arrested Development. So there's just and Joe, you know what's so weird about this? It's not even like they're big news shows. Like it's like their oldest show. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say House of Cards is interesting because up until now, everything I'd seen was licensed content and it was and the assumption from everyone had been all their own content would be in it and it was something to do with the deals in place that that didn't let them uh like licensing agreements because it was then an ad platform it was closer to broadcast it was it was something about the licensing agreements on certain mm -hmm. things meant they couldn't you know they basically couldn't show them on that house of cards kind of takes away from that idea a little bit and makes it feel a lot more arbitrary. Arrested Development is kind of a weird in the middle one as well because the first three seasons aren't theirs, but the seasons after that are. So... Yeah, I could buy that there'd be maybe some sort of restriction on the first few seasons and they just went, well, we'll just keep it all then for the simplicity's sake, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it could just be a case of because of Kevin Spacey's involvement, they just, for some reason, wanted to hold it. Bury it. Yeah. That's yeah, mm, weird. I, I did see some people talking about how the ad thing works and, oh, it sounds awful. It's uh, apparently it's really random. Like, sometimes you'll get ads when you start an episode, sometimes you won't. Um, there are ads like two to four times during the during an episode, like an hour long episode. Um, and obviously because they have to figure out where the ad breaks are going to be, and not just you know cut in the middle of a scene, um, especially on like their own content, which was never designed to have ad breaks. Uh, you can go like the first twenty five minutes without an ad, and then you'll have two in the space of like seven minutes because of just where they are. Mm. It's just, uh, it seems so awkward. That does seem quite annoying. Yeah, and I think they last something like a minute or two minutes per block. Yeah, it does not sound ideal. It does not sound ideal no. at all. Um, all right. Um, are we out of comedies now? I think we are. I think we're out of comedies. Cool. Uh, I'll just double check I'm not missing something here. Uh, no, no, I think we're now we're out of comedies. Okay. All right. So, first up, Fox has ordered an animated series, uh, Universal Basic Guys slash the Hoagie Bros from Adam and Craig Malamut and Sony TV. Uh, so, Fox obviously have got a lot of animated comedies that are aimed more at adults than kids. Uh, it's just kind of their bread and butter at this point. Yeah, it's a big part of what their, you know, their business model has been for, for about 20 years now. <laughs> Yeah, so it follows brothers Mark and Hank Hoagies, who suddenly find themselves with no jobs when the Galantintown hot dog factory switches over to automation. Luckily for them, the town started a radical universal basic income pilot program, giving all residents of Galantintown $3,000 per month with no strings attached. Now Mark, Hank, and the rest of their local buddies once again are kids in the summertime, overflowing with the perilous combo of free time and stupid ideas. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can see fun potentially, you know, with the depending on you know the the writing of the comedy itself. I, I can mm. see it being fun. Yeah, uh, I love how the title, the working title right now, is actually two different titles because like it may be one of these two. We'll not decide yet. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't decide. So, uh, the Hoagie Bros is amusing to me because a hoagie is a, a thing in the UK, uh, which is, so it sounds weird. It doesn't sound like a real thing. It doesn't know. It sounds like a really crappy, like, takeaway that's open at two in the morning to me. <laughs> kind of hungry now, though, I'm not going to lie. Uh, very good. Uh, next up, ABC Comedy um, and Development. Um, developing a family comedy, uh, Lauren Ashley Smith, head writer of HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show, is developing the show. It's a single-camera comedy. Um, the family series follows a close-knit group of mostly gay sisters who have a familial identity crisis when the lone bi-sister brings her male fiancé into the family. I'm not going to lie, that's a slightly amusing premise. It is, yeah. They're all gay sisters, but there's one that's bi and not gay, and they shot with a man, and they're like, <gasps> that's, that's, that's a little How bit funny. You? That's yeah. a little bit funny. Uh, I, I can see some humour in that. Uh, always there writing, but it's amusing all the same. Uh, yeah. CBS is developing a comedy, a single-camera comedy, called The Brutally Honest. Starring and executive produced by Ashley Tisdale and inspired by her life. I, I've heard of her name. I don't really know much about her, but 
Uh, yeah, I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. So, Brilliantis, which stems from uh, the Haskins and Halpern, who are the producers, uh, overall deal at CBS Studios, is a comment about how having a baby can ruin, save, change, destroy, and inspire your marriage all before lunch. All right. I'm going to try to be witty with that description. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was very... No. I don't, I don't think it's a particularly good description. No, 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 no. Uh, and then next up, we got Netflix uh, are working on a comedy series. Um, a r- r- raggaeton? You, you're a music person. Do you understand this term? I'd have to see it, because I don't know what you just tried to say. Although, I think, like, reggae, right? Like, reggae music, then T-O-N at the end of it. Okay. What's that? Give me the context. So the Madness series already a show called Neon, a comedy set in the world of the musical genre that birthed the song Despacito. Okay, I know that song. You know that song. Yeah? I promise you, you've been outside in the past three years, you know that song. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It's not a very good song, but you know it. Okay. God right. damn it, now it's in my head. Well, I don't know what it is. So. <laughs> um, all right. Well, moving on then, shall we? Uh, <laughs> where are we? Uh, Amazon Studios is developing a ensemble comedy called Overcompensating uh, from comedian, actor, and social media star Benito Skinner uh, and English singer-songwriter Charlie XCX. Uh, so I know who that one is. I've heard of her. I don't really know her music, but I've heard of her. Um, Overcompensating follows Idaho football player Benny as he struggles to accept his sexuality in college, finding himself overcompensating as he tries to convince himself of something he's not. Poignant, personal, and deeply funny, this ensemble comedy explores the experiences we all have in figuring ourselves out, the various personalities we try to cut along the way, and the journey to find the people who accept us just as we are. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm I'm just shocked there was no professional in there and all that. It's, 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 it's because, it, it felt like it was verging on it. It's because it's college set, right? It, sometimes yeah. when it's a college or school set thing, they just they don't quite. They just don't nail it. the wording of it. It's it's definitely been done. But yeah, right. So you know, you know, they do it along the line of, oh, I'm focusing on their studies at the same time. Mm. You know, so you you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, Natasha Rothwell has got a, a series in. Uh, in development for Hulu, um, working with Disney on this. Uh, the comedy is called How to Die Alone, which she will write, star, and co-showrun. It's got a series order. Uh, the eight-part half-hour series follows Melissa, a fat black neurotic who's never been in love. After a comical brush with death, she refuses to settle for anything less than the life she wants, catapulting her on a journey to becoming 100% that bitch in real life by any means necessary. It's not as common as the other. I do feel there's a lot of, like, shows, especially comedies that start with a near-death experience. It pops up every once in a while. I'm going to notice that now. I've, I've, I've not noticed before, but yeah. not ruling out. Or the very, if it's not a near-death experience, there'll, there'll be an experience that makes them, like, re-examine their life, you know? Mm. I can definitely see that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, next up... Uh, after a competitive bidding war, Apple TV has 
got the comedy starring, co-written, and directed and executive produced by Seth Rogen uh, with a straight-to-series order. Um, do we have a title for this yet? No, I don't think we do yet. There's no title. Uh, written by Rogan, Goldberg, and Veep alums, Peter Huck and Alex Gregory, uh, and to be directed by Rogan and Goldberg. The entitled series is about the legacy Hollywood movie studio trying to survive in a world where it is increasingly difficult for art and commerce to live together. Now, I'm not a Seth Rogen guy. I have to admit, that setting does sound kind of interesting, but he is going to be in it. So... He is, but throwing in some Veep writers probably mm. helps with the, the biting satire. Yeah, I still have to listen to him talk, though. Yes, there is no getting around that, unfortunately. That's the, that's the, that's the down, downside for me there. Uh, next up, CBS are developing a silent camera comedy called Talk Nerdy To Me, uh, created by writer and podcaster Dana Schwartz, uh, who's worked on She-Hulk Attorney of Law. Uh, it's an early development at CBS. Uh, Talk Nerdy To Me is a workplace comedy about two sisters navigating the landscape of female geekdom together from two different perspectives. Geekdom. That's a word we're using there. I hate it. <laughs> Geekdom. Yeah. Um, Alright. Yeah. And the last comedy we've got in the works here. Uh, CBS are developing They're With Me, a multi-camera family comedy from 9JKL creator Dana Klein, Matt Harowitz, and Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment. Everyone's favourite. Uh... <laughs> There with me, Jackie and Eli knew right away they were soulmates. Too bad their souls come with so much baggage. Each has a messed up 20-something kid and a dependent parent. There with me is a modern take on a blended family. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'm getting very close to saying blended family has to be a drinking rule because I feel like I know. It, it pops that, up. that one definitely does pop up a lot. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, uh, modern take on a blended family where instead of young children, Jackie and Eli uh, both come with two generations of intrusive adults. Oh, multi generational is that? Are we in that? Mm. Ooh, ooh. F- forget about an e- empty nest. The number of birds and eggs has doubled. That last line's all right. That's just fine. <laughs> the rest of yeah. it's typical fluff, though. Um. I feel like you got. I feel like you got multi generational there. All right, fine. Let me find a bottle. I feel like you got. Yeah, I think. I think you got that. Uh, you dear. almost have to take my word for it, but yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't devalue the integrity of of the drinking game. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Um, oh, I'm getting very judgmental looks from a cat while I swig from this bottle. <laughs> Uh, that's because the cat knows. The cat knows all too well. Yeah, yeah. I'm just opening all my next set of tabs because I had so many of them I didn't even open all the dramas until I was done with everything else. Yeah. Just in case. Just in case it made everything crap out. Okay, here we go. Okay. For the record, I am willing to blame the cat for the, uh, the broken webcam because she has a bad habit of going around those wires at the back. And she has pulled the, the camera off the desk at least once. So I can't, I'm willing to say that's what happened. Uh, I don't mind why it happened. I'm still, I'm still going to blame you. Um, all right. So, yeah, big news from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 
a Friday the 13th TV show has been ordered at Peacock. Uh, it's everyone's favourite place. And it's coming from Brian Fuller. And it's also been produced by A24. So here's the thing. I've been waiting on New Friday the 13th stuff for a long time because it's, it's been tied up in all these legal issues. Um, so you maybe think I'd be happy about this. I'm pretty down on it. <laughs> and I've got a couple of reasons why. Uh, You're not big on Fuller. I know that. I'm not big on Fuller. Uh, but that's not even at the top of the list here. Uh, first of all, what do I want from Friday the 13th? I want... Stupid uh, Jason kills. I want Jason in a hockey mask killing people in silly ways. That's what I want. What I don't want is really a TV show, especially a prequel TV show. And they don't actually specify what it's going to be, but if you say prequel show, all I can think it would be is like set after Jason's death where we follow his mother becoming a killer, kind of like Bates Motel. Yeah, they did specify that they had the rights to the the hockey mask Jason as well, right? No, they did, yeah. There was uh, basically both parties because there's the rights are kind of split over different elements of the franchise and both in some manner are involved. So the only thing I can think of is that they're saying prequel, but maybe what they mean is is that there's going to be like a prequel plotline, but we also like have modern day Jason killing people in present day too. That could be possible, but I mean, that's maybe best case scenario at this point. Because if you don't have Jason killing people, then what the what is the point? I I, I quite like the franchise overall. But that first movie is one of the worst. Not because it's a bad movie, it's a fine movie. But, I mean... It's just, it's not the appeal of the, the franchise or the character. Like, I just, I don't want, like, a show that's taking itself seriously and it's trying to do the psychological turn, you know. And it's Brian Fuller, so, I, you know, I don't want something that feels like Hannibal with Mrs. Voorhees turning into a killer. Like, I, I have no interest in that. Are you sure? I am absolutely positive. Could you be convinced? I mean, if it ends up just being good on its own terms, then maybe I won't hate it. But it won't. It was. It won't satisfy my thirst for a new Friday the Thirteenth movie. Probably not. It's, but it's, you never know. It's just so weird. It's you know. It's just like you're waiting, you know, for years for like a proper. I don't know. Um, like this didn't happen exactly, but like it's you know it's like fans of Half Life like waiting years and years and years for a Half Life three, and they get like a Half Life like board game instead. It's like, well, no, that's not. Oh, they, got, they, they got Alex, didn't they? They got Alex. I, well, I'm ignoring that because I couldn't think of another example. But yeah, but that's the, that's... by all accounts that's actually quite good. It's, it's restricted to VR, obviously, but by all yeah. accounts, it's quite good. Yeah, but even that's not really three though. Like I don't think fans no. think of it as three. No, definitely, it's not. So, no, it's, it's you know, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad Friday the 13th is a thing can exist again. This is not really what I want from it. I don't want a series. I, I, I do not care about Friday the 13th in a way that I want anything about it taken seriously. Just give me Jason in the mask, killing people in a variety of ridiculous ways. That's all I want. Well, that would be very nice, yeah. Yeah, hopefully some entertaining characters to go along with it, and you've got a you've got a hit, you've got a a proper Jason movie. <sighs> oh well. Uh, next up, uh, Catherine Lacey's novel The Answers has been adapted for television 
by Sorry For Your Lost creator Kit Steinkellner and Dopesick creator Danny Strong. Oh, what was he in? Uh, he, was, he was an actor. Nothing, nothing of note ever. He was, in a, he was an actor in the head television show, Buffett the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and also uh, Requiem for a Dream director, Darren Aronofsky. That's a big name. He just started on there. Yeah. yeah, like what? He's only producing, though. The director is going to be Gillian oh. uh, Robespierre, who directed A Teacher. So uh, this is a pilot order at FX. Uh, the story is set in the near future, where a heartbroken young woman joins an enigmatic experiment that promises to hack love. But after moving into an idyllic secluded location with her fellow female participants, she and the other women start questioning what's really happening in the experiment and why they've all been asked, or sorry, why they've all been tasked with dating the same mysterious man. <laughs> Sounds like one guy's trying to set up a little harem for himself, to be honest. It's a little bit, yeah. It's an experiment, ladies! <laughs> See if this yeah. works for you. <laughs> uh, it sounds kind of interesting, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be. Yeah, kind of that sort of more grounded sci-fi, maybe, where it's just, you know, using it to, like, give yeah. an, an interesting scenario as opposed to being super, you know, high-tech and all that stuff. So, that's interesting. So, that's, that's an FX show, which could be a good home for something like that. I can definitely see it on there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Disney-branded television is developing A Crown of Wishes, a live-action Young adult series based on the second book, the second book, on Roshani uh, Chokshi's best-selling star-touched Queen duology. <sighs> that was a lot of words. Yeah. I didn't like. Uh, Avantika is attached to star and executive produce. There's just a lot of words in this that I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> a Crown of Wishes is a fantasy series rooted in Hindu mythology. The novel centers on Princess uh, Garu, or sorry, Guri, I'll probably butcher on that, forgive me, uh, who is imprisoned after a failed siege against her malevolent brother, the King Bharata. When Guri is exiled from her kingdom, she reluctantly teams up with Vikram, an untrustworthy prince from a rival neighbouring land to enter the Tournament of Wishes. I hate this so much. One wish will be granted to the winner, and though Princess Gauri and Prince Vikram have differing agendas, they will be forced into an uneasy alliance and unexpected romance! Oh, you don't see! I didn't see that coming. So unexpected. (laughs) While saving both their kingdoms. Uh, Oh, what a twist. I did not see the romance angle coming there. No, who could have ever predicted uh, next up, Sky and Peacock are working together <laughs> to develop a new version uh, of the Day of the Jackal, uh, with top boy showrunner Ronan Bennett attached to develop it. Uh, it's a contemporary reimagining of the beloved, respected novel. Um, Day of the Jackal is one of the most well-known and respected British novels of the 20th century. It follows a professional assassin who is contracted by a French paramilitary dissident to kill French President Charles de Gaulle? Gaulle? I don't know how you say French words. Uh, the novel is split into three parts. This is oddly specific. Oh, I believe. Charles de Gaulle. Oh, there you go. Uh, anatomy of a plot, anatomy of a manhunt, and anatomy of a kill. I don't know why it's telling me that in this, but sure. <laughs> Maybe they'll try to tell me it's going to be split into like three mini-seasons or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it's essential knowledge for you to know. It's- Everything in these descriptions is, oh, is yes. super vile. Uh, I, I don't. I, I've heard of the title. Yeah, but that's about it. 
say. Mm. We are extremely well informed on the, uh, what did they say, were the most popular British novels? And... <laughs> I don't even think I knew it was a novel. I, th- I think I just, I've heard of the, I don't know yeah. if it was a movie or a miniseries or something at some point, but there was definitely something. Probably. Uh, all right, what have we got next here? Good Girls creator Jenna Bands has sold two hour-long projects to NBC for development. Um, it's added a put pilot commitment to Gross Point Garden Society from Bands uh, and her collaborator, Good Girls executive producer Bill Krebs, and a script commitment to Point Nemo uh, from Heather Mitchell uh, and Bands. So, uh, yeah... So Gross Point, Gross Point Garden Society follows four members of a suburban garden club, all from different walks of life, who get caught up in a murder and mischief as they struggle to make their conventional lives bloom. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's so impressed. All right, let me find the next one. In Point Nemo, uh, when a luxury cruise ship mysteriously goes off course, the 1,500 souls on board become the only survivors of a global event. Trapped at the most isolated point in the Pacific, unable to reach land or refresh their supplies, Captain Eliza Cruz and her crew must keep their passengers alive, which just may hinge on unraveling the mystery of how exactly the uh, Nautilus ended up at Point Nemo. Sounds a bit more interesting for me. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I get that the rest of the planet's like like, died, right? So that makes it a bit different. But it's hard not to think of loss when I hear about a ship, you know, washing up somewhere and... Uh... Not sure that's exclusive to Lost. No, but it's hard not to think of, but specifically in TV realm. It's just very much the big example. Um, so, there you go. I don't know, a couple of NBC shows. Neither one sounds all that exciting to me, but uh, yeah. there you go. Uh Judy Bloom's 1975 novel Forever is being reimagined for a new generation as a Netflix series of the same name. Mara Brock Akil from Girlfriends in Being Mary Jane will serve as showrunner and executive producer. The drama series is an epic love story of two black teens exploring romance and their identities through the awkward journey of being each other's firsts. Yeah, straight to the point. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a sort of teen-friendly romance which means not really for me, but that's okay. Not, not for us. It was a very concise description, so credit where it's due. Yeah, yeah. We got the point. Cause it wasn't that didn't bullshit. Didn't waste our time. I can yep. appreciate it. AMC is developing Queen of the Jungle, a Latinx family drama created and executive produced by Michael Zabidi uh, from the Humbling and Party of Five. I assume that's the new Party of Five, but he looks a bit old, so maybe it could be the original as well. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and also Michael London from Smelf and Snowfall. Uh, the series follows the estranged granddaughter of the Cortez family, which has the largest eco-luxury hotel real estate empire in Costa Rica. When her grandfather dies, she pulls the thread that unravels her family's dark past. And, mm. and as descendants and rivals fight to the death for control of the lucrative of Cortez Empire, Queen of the Jungle tackles themes of power, machismo, greed, family betrayal, Latin American classism, ancestral wounds, and modern colonialism. I'll try. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, yeah, we'll see. That's that sounds very ambitious. It's, it's doing a lot. It's definitely doing yeah. a lot. 
Uh, Alright, next up. Uh, so, Chrissy Metz has got another drama with siblings. Um, this is the actress from This Is Us. So, they're also they're working on a new show at NBC Universal called Help Me Rhonda, which has landed a script plus penalty commitment at NBC. Uh, based on the best-selling novel Two Sisters Detective Agency by James Patterson and Candace Fox, Help Me Rhonda comes from Life Sentence creators Erin Cardillo and Richard Keith. Um, where's the description? God damn, just kind of help me run. The centers on Rhonda Bird, a brash public defender, and Barbara Ann Baby Bird. Baby being in quotations. It's not a middle name. Uh, the privileged teenage sister she never knew she had, who reluctantly take over their late father's private detective agency, while helping their father's former clients they uncover the truth about who their father really was. Didn't we just read that description? <laughs> so a mother uh. so a mother who's a lawyer and her teenage daughter that she didn't know about take over her father's private investigative agency and end up uncovering a bunch of secrets about him this sounds like so many tv tropes just being like thrown yep, together yep. yeah that's kind of wild uh but fair enough fair enough <laughs> knock yourself out uh, NBC is put in development K-Town. Um, this is coming from Denise Han and Michael uh, Notarily. Notar? Notarail. Notarail. There you go. Uh, with a script, uh, was sold in a competitive situation with penalty. K-Town follows the interwined fates of three influential families that run LA's Koreatown. But after a shocking money heist and murder, each family's legacy and the soul of Koreatown itself is thrown into chaos. In the neon lights style of Michael Mahan, K-Town is a family drama about power, shifting alliances, and cultural identity. Joe, when they threw out neon lights style of Michael Mahan, I'm like, okay, okay, you said something that's actually interesting. A little bit more intrigued, yeah. Uh, Okay, okay. Uh, Where was this one again? Uh, It's NBC. Oh, okay. It's not going to be that interesting. Uh, Yeah, the, the chances must be interesting are pretty slim, but... At least, you know what, it's trying to tell me some style there, right? A lot of these don't give me style. This actually tried to give me some style by comparing it to a director, so... Fair play. Fair play. And you know what, it just, it never... It just never quite got to professional. There was so much personal in there. (laughs) But it never quite got to... It didn't quite get there, no. No. Mm. Oh well. That's K-Town. There you go. CBS are developing a drama series called Manor of Death from writer and executive producer Emily Silver. This is actually a better title than most CBS shows because these days it's like FBI, SEAL Team, FBI International, FBI Most Wanted. Uh, Manor of Death tells the story of by the book medical examiner. (laughs) Of course it is. So I was a cop, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's your three choices. (laughs) Or variations thereof. That's not true. You occasionally get firefighter. Ah, true. Okay, sure. Um, anyway, uh, so story of by the book medical examiner Amanda Bow- Bowman, who while fleeing her mysterious past clashes with Maverick Sheriff Luke Parker, igniting a complex professional and personal relationship as they solve murders uh, together. CBS. <laughs> Amanda will also tackle how to do her job with the deck stacked against her. <laughs> <sighs> 
I love how it's the exact wording. This isn't even a variation. It's just straight up there. And this I, is the classic. It, it's actually worse than that because it's also they're going to have a professional and personal relationship as they solve murders together. So it's also that buddy cop thing, but one of them's a medical examiner. Mm. Which is not obviously CBS, usually it's Fox, but you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, whatever. CBS just uh, can't help themselves, can they? They cannot. Uh, so that is a manner of death. Did you take a drink, Kai? I did, yes. Okay, good. Uh, all right, next up, uh, NCIS Hawaii, Walker Independent, and Nancy Drew, executive producer. What a list of titles. Uh, Larry Tang has set up two projects at CBS. Oh my God, we've got two CBS projects here to talk about. Okay, right, where are we? Eagle Eye is the first one. It revolves around an elite hand-picked team of airmen, military detectives, and civilian agents within the Office of Special Investigations who utilize cutting-edge technology, sophisticated weapons, and their own investigative prowess to tackle the biggest criminal and counter-terrorism cases for the Air Force, Space Force, and U.S. Cyber Command. There's so many just words in there. Pick a lane. <laughs> I did, it's just so many <laughs> words that mean law enforcement of some kind. Oh, Pick Det- a lane. Detectives, agents, investigations, uh, you know, investigative prowess, uh, oh. <laughs> counter-terrorism. Like, it's just so many words to oh. say the same shit that you always do. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I'm hearing is the CBS show. Yeah. Uh, the second show is Mastermind. Exactly the same. <laughs> Maybe. It's called Mastermind. It's, uh, so it's about a highly empathetic, uh, empathetic is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the last one's still broken me, all right? Give me a minute. Yeah. Yep. Right. Highly empathetic detective with the mysterious ability to scan memories through touch. Partners with a hard-edged emotionalist criminal profiler and a specialized government task force. Joe, I I have to assume that the phrase task force has to be one of the most common like pairings of words in a CBS description. It Ooh, has to be. It has to be, you're right, yeah. It's up there. Anyway, so yeah, specialized government task force to solve the country's most troubling cases. I mean, there's a slightly supernatural element to that, this. That one. almost falls into the fox. But yeah, duo, but one of the, one of them can read memories. Yeah, except the other one's not a cop; he's a profiler, so he's not even quite a cop. <laughs> yeah, but you it's know, a really shit buddy cop duo that, isn't it? <laughs> this is buddy cop show, but neither of them are cops. <laughs> All right, uh, next up, Amazon Studios is developing a coming of age ROTC drama from writers Jelza uh, Conway and Rebecca Murga. Uh, who are both military veterans, with Spike Lee set to direct and executive produce. Uh, so that's a big name to get. Uh, the untitled ROTC project is set in the world of rigorous ROTC military program at a major university where students from all different walks of life push themselves to the limits they never thought possible. So it's, yeah, it's like a bit of military university. Yeah. Okay. Fun. At least they never said the words task force or... Ah, yeah, they're just waiting to recruit them into the task forces. Uh, Next up, Ian Reid and Jason Schwartzman are adapting Apples, a 2020 Greek film of the same name, from Christos Niku into a TV show. 
Uh, Christos Niku will direct the project, so he's still staying involved, which is nice. Uh, mm. uh, it's being produced by Reed and Schwarzman, uh, who will also write. Uh, Apples will expand on the world created by Niku for the film, which was chosen in 2021 as Greece's official submission for the best international feature at the Academy Awards. Set in an unnamed city amidst an outbreak of sudden amnesia, the series is a comedic, heartfelt, existential, and deeply human character study that follows a diverse group of recent amnesiacs who are enrolled in an experimental recovery program designed to help them build new identities. That sounds quite interesting, to be fair. It does, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, okay, good concept, good concept. Uh, yeah. I appreciate they said it's comedic as well. It sounds like something that should have a bit of a heart to it. If they try to like build themselves again, it does, and I can see as well like how that works as a TV show as opposed to just oh uh, we're adapting a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so oh, cool. Which leads us to the final story of the week. Is it more CBS? It's not all the CBS stuff was from like last week, which is why it already happened. Oh uh, yeah, w- once you once you start doing something else after, I was like, oh, that was the end of a week. But still more. Mm. But I thought maybe, maybe we'll cycle back to CBS to end on. Yeah. So Hulu is developing the Murdaw Murders, a crime story about a real-life family made infamous by the Mandy Matney popular Murdaw Murders podcast. That's a lot of M's. <laughs> I know. Uh, so it's <laughs> working. This is UCP, Universal Cable uh, Productions. Uh, the series aims to be the definitive account of Alex Murdaw, a uh, member of the prominent South Carolina legal family who has faced dozens of embezzlement and other criminal charges. Here's the official logline from UCP. The series will be based on Alex Murdoch's Stranger Than Fiction family drama, a riveting account drawing from countless hours of reporting from Matney, as well as exclusive insider knowledge from years spent following the case. It didn't say murders, though. Where's the murders? They come later. I mean, it said a series of other charges, but if it's called Murders, Murders, I feel like the first thing you have to say is that he killed some people. Come on now. Or is it allegedly killed some people? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but Just legally covering our asses here. I guess. Uh, the podcast started last June, uh, last year, that is, and has got 41 episodes. Yeah. There you go. Um... That's the uh, news. True crime stuff doesn't really interest me that much. Nah, me neither, really. But hey, there you go. That's the that's the show. News finally came back. Connor, chunky news. Connor decided to be alive. I did. I, 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 I do occasionally make that decision. Not often. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe once or twice a month. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I was mentioning it earlier, but yeah, 1899 started. The reviews are for the first two or three episodes should be up by the time this goes out. So, uh, hopefully you're enjoying that along with me. I've also been reviewing Cabinet of Curiosities, the uh, horror anthology uh, presented by Del Toro. Uh, very up and down, it's an anthology, but there's some really solid episodes in there. So, uh, yeah. hopefully you go check out those uh, reviews if you if you fancy it. Um, uh, but that's, that's pretty much it TV-wise. Uh, yeah. I would say there's some other like random oddities. Uh, I suppose the main thing I should promote is that over on the Male Fuzz Movies channel, we got a, a new podcast just started uh, called The Collector's Cup. And it's the first news we've done since it started. Uh, so much like the other movie podcasts, because uh, we have the horror movie podcast, Screams After Midnight, with the sci-fi one, the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, Collector's Cut is kind of similar, but 
uh it's working through franchises or like themes of movies so like an actor or something you know, we'll do like four or five in a row of one actor or director or we'll do a franchise uh the first franchise that we're working through is dirty harry uh the first three episodes will be up uh, by now so uh, that's dirty harry magnum force of the enforcer uh so we're doing something christmasy for december and uh the vote on patreon decided that in january in a bit past that we're going to be doing 70s disaster movies so uh that's of interest go plenty of those to choose from oh yeah there was enough there's basically enough for two like five episode seasons of it so i actually gave the patrons a second little poll just to pick which batch or which, five. which season yeah yeah so yeah yeah so go okay, go check that out uh, since it's new and exciting and all that stuff uh but there you go. That is uh, that is the show. That's uh, almost cancelled TV news. So uh, let us know what you thought of any of the news that popped up uh, down below. Uh, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications. You can support all the content by going over to patreon.com slash TV and getting some bonuses on a monthly basis or hitting that super thanks button for a one-time uh, donation. But uh, otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>